I show you that video because this is a man who holds a lot of influence and has accomplished great things. He, he, um, he's widely recognized. He's authored books. Uh, he has a large voice. And yet, there is a, an honest humility about the position he holds and the influence he stewards which really frames in, or at least kicks off, what I wanna talk about over the next several weeks about speaking truth to power. So most of us experience disgust, heartbreak, we experience offense and outrage often, likely weekly. Decisions and policies are being made about the economy, about public safety, about the environment, about schools, that we don't understand and oftentimes don't agree with. But here's the thing we are more powerful than you know if and when we can be rooted in a god who's bigger than all of it we need better ways to speak truth to power we need better ways to disagree and protest confronting authority should not be reduced to accusations and inflammatory speech and as people of God who hold faith near and dear, that is, we assume a trust that's greater than ourselves, we're supposed to be part of a solution. But I fear that we get so involved with our own opinions that we end up becoming part of the noise. And the solution isn't us having a higher power uh, uh, or, a, excuse me, a higher position or more money uh, or, or a louder voice as much as it is humility. Humility trusts God with our own reputation as well as trust God to sort of balance the scales of abuse and injustice. We find humility, our humility, to listen to the truth of God and trust in Him when He calls. Humility might even require a greater boldness and courage, but confidence comes when we're rooted in God's love for God's creation, including those in power. So maybe today is a little bit of a talk about what it means to be a conscientious objector. <laughs> it doesn't mean to be a non-participant. It doesn't mean to be a complete pacifist. Pacifism sort of insinuates that it's inactivity, that I'm just not gonna engage. In fact, there is one very famous conscientious objector that captures what I think I'm talking about here by the name of Desmond Doss, whose story was told in, in the movie Hacksaw Ridge. He had some firm convictions about going into violent action, but he felt the patriotic call to do his part. He was ridiculed, he was penalized, he was courageous, and ultimately he was heralded as a conscious ob objector who went to extraordinary lengths to assist in the war efforts as a field medic, but he refused to carry a gun. Now, what, what sort of produced this strong conviction wasn't just a faith in Christ, but he grew up in a violently abusive home where his father came home from a previous war. And because he was so just traumatically stricken, would take out the violence on his home, even holding a gun. And after years of abuse at home, he felt convicted about holding a gun because in his own heart, 
he had held the gun and he had killed his dad already. And yet he says, I'm all in. I can't carry the gun, but I can do my part. And I wonder if that's my might be a pathway forward so that we don't get sucked in to the inflammatory speech, the, the kind of accusatory language that doesn't actually produce a solution. So I want to look at the book of Samuel, and I call it Samuel because originally it was written as one book. You know it as First and Second Samuel, but I want to kind of weave a thread throughout because there's key leaders throughout the book of Samuel, both leaders and followers. There's Samuel, who, who was uh, appointed the prophet and the judge. There was Eli. There was, there was um, Saul, the first king of Israel. There's David. Um, and then there's Nathan. There are these key influential leaders that I feel like God can speak to us through about how we speak truth to power, but how we find our source of strength going forward. Now, there's three important themes that emerge from the book of Samuel. Number one, God opposes the proud, and he always applauds the humble. Okay, well, if God does that, then maybe we should take notes. Number two, despite human evil in the world, God is always at work, even though we can't always see it. And number three, out of the book of Samuel, what we find is, God is an everlasting and current source of hope. He's able to restore and redeem even when things break his heart. And in other words, it won't always be like this. So when I start diving into Samuel, I'm finding a growing sense of hope and maybe a solution. So the point is, up front, let's take heart. God is on his throne, even though the world feels like it's gone off of its axis. And this book speaks to truth, to power, again and again. And sometimes it's subtle, and other times it's in your face. Sometimes it's received, and sometimes it's not. But in some cases, people grow, praise the Lord, but not always. And not without humility that trusts that God sees despite who's in power. So if you have your Bibles, uh, it'll be in the chat section, but I encourage you to pull out a Bible. You might want to jot some notes in the margins, maybe underline a couple of things, because there's some really significant little sound bites that I, I, I don't want us to miss. So in 1 Samuel chapter 3, you're just a few books into the Bible. Samuel is, is, has been, his whole life has been given to service by his mom, Hannah, who hadn't been able to bear a son, asked the Lord, can I please have a child? God gives her request and as an offering presents him to be raised in the temple. But the temple wasn't a great place to be raised in, even though it represented the presence of God. Here's where we read, 1 Samuel chapter 3, the boy, the boy, right? Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. And in those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. In my Bible, I have highlighted that. We'll come back to it later. But I highlight it mostly because there are seasons of my life where it feels like the word of the Lord is rare. And if that resonates with you in any way, 
I encourage you to tune in because it might not be your, like God is not speaking. It might be our own dryness. And there's some things we can recalibrate to do so that God's word can flow more readily. Now, listen, one night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp uh, of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying there in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. And then the, word, uh, then the Lord called to Samuel, and he answered, Here am I. And he ran to Eli. Here am I. You called me? And Eli said, I didn't call you. Go back and lie down. And so he went to lie down. So he's having this moment, kind of a restless, I can't get to sleep moment. Does that sound sometimes like when your head hits the pillow? It's hard to find rest. It's hard to shut your mind off. Samuel is being raised next to the Ark of the Covenant, the very essence of the presence of God. And one night he hears the voice of the Lord calling out saying, come here. He thinks it's Eli, the man entrusted with raising him. And he runs to him and he says, it wasn't me. Go back. Well, this happens two more times. Each time he sends, stands up and he goes, you called? Why do you keep calling? By the third time, Eli, the man of God, starts to figure out, oh my goodness, this is not just in this kid's head. The Lord's wanting to speak to Samuel. Now, what's important to realize is that Samuel had been a great leader. He had been a man of God, but he had two sons who had totally abused their power as priests in the temple. Eli was functioning as the judge and the high priest, and his sons had become so greedy, so corrupt, and God had warned him and said, if you don't remedy this, there's going to be consequences. And now here's where Eli starts to wake up to the consequences. And he says, and this goes down. Um, uh, so Samuel went to lie down. And this is verse seven. He says, now Samuel did not know yet that the Lord, uh, know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. The Lord called to Samuel a third time. And when Samuel said, no, just when you hear it again, say, here am I, you called me. And then Eli realized the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, go and lie down. And if he calls you again, speak for your servant is listening. So Samuel went to lie down in a place. And then the Lord stood there calling him. And he said, speak for your servant is listening. Verse 11. And the Lord said to Samuel, see, I am, do I am about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears it tingle. At that time, I will carry out against Eli everything I had spoke against his family from the beginning to the end. For I told him that I would judge his family forever because of the sin he knew about. His sons made themselves contemptible and he failed to restrain them. Therefore, I swore to the house of Eli, the guilt of Eli's house will never be atoned for by the sacrifice or the offering. And then Samuel went to lay down until morning. And when he opened the doors of the house, the, 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 Eli came to him. He said, Eli called out, Simon, Simon, or excuse me, Samuel, Samuel. And he says, yes. And he says, what did he say to you? Do not hide it from me. May the Lord deal with you, be it ever so severely, if you hide from me anything he might have told you. So Samuel told him everything, hiding nothing from him. And Eli simply says, 
He's the Lord. Let him do what is good in his own eyes. Okay, so here's the situation. The word of the Lord was rare. It's often difficult to know when God's speaking to us, is it not? Does he speak audibly? Does he speak through visions? Does he speak through us through hearts and feelings? Does he speak to us through scripture? Does he speak to us through other people? Yes, of course. But if, if we're to hear anyone speak, we have to listen, which also means we have to be able to find quiet moments. If we need to drown out all the other voices, we need to have a quiet moment with God. So maybe the first critical or even obvious observation we can make out of this passage is our strength, specifically spiritual strength, is critically linked to our ability to listen and hear God's voice. Because it says there were not many visions. So in that time, people didn't have the word of, the God, word of God like we have it. They had some scrolls, but they weren't widely produced. They had some teaching. They had some conversation. They had prayer. But it sounds like the primary way was that God would speak in the form of visions. And they weren't happening. So we need to pray for a vision for how God sees our lives and this world. We don't need to just pray for blessing and benefit. We don't need to just pray for safety and comfort. We need to pray for a God-sized vision of our lives and this world. We need a God-sized vision for how God views our finances our educational opportunities, our influence with friends and coworkers and neighbors. If you've ever felt like God is near or speaking and guiding, maybe we should consider how we might need to make room. So imagine a conversation in which you would go to someone and you'd say, hi, here's how I'm feeling. I want this, this, and this. Uh, I don't know what to do about this. Please help me with this and that. Thank you. Talk to you later. After this great conversation, you would turn around and walk away and you'd go about your business. Would it be safe to expect that most people would either be offended or hurt by that kind of conversation or monologue? Does this sound too close to the way you and I end up praying sometimes? See, our private prayers, our quiet times with the Lord are to be communion with him. They're supposed to be conversations with him. So this is what's interesting. As we read into this passage, Eli goes so far as to threaten Samuel if he doesn't share what God says. May God deal with you ever so severely if you don't tell me what he said. Because if you're the judge and you're the high priest and you haven't heard from God, you're getting a little worried. So back then, before there were kings, there was a judge. All the other nations of the land had kings. But who was Israel's king? God. And so the God would appoint a judge as sort of the go-between between the people and God himself. And this leader hadn't had any visions. And when he realized that the boy Samuel's getting a vision, he's like, buddy, we're overdue. Tell me what he said. And he's afraid 
for what he would say, but he needed to hear it. So the boy Samuel spoke truth to power. The boy Samuel didn't know any better because the boy Samuel had heard from the Lord and was willing to follow the leadership of the house of the Lord, the man in power, the high priest. So Samuel had been raised in the temple, the closest geographic place to the presence of God. His life had been dedicated as an offering by Hannah, his mom. And the one voice he could not hear was God's. See, I hear lots of other voices. I hear lots of media voices. I hear lots of opinions. I hear uh, lots of cultural, pop culture voices. But the one voice I need to be able to hear calling out amidst the roar of the crowd or the roar of my own insecurities is the voice of the Lord reminding me of what's true and who I am in him. And so Samuel had been conditioned to just be completely open to the presence and the voice of God. But we can't miss who the hero is. I mean, it's real easy to look at this and look, oh, there's a protagonist and then there's an antagonist. The protagonist, the hero of the story is Samuel, except that Eli, the man of God, even though he was a non-confrontational dad, even though he, he was still the man of God, even though he had prodigal sons, he knew the Lord could speak to others besides priests, even to a child. I don't know how you seek out counsel. I don't know how you seek out God's guidance. I don't know how you try and tenderize or sensitize your hearts to the prompts of the Holy Spirit, but I would encourage you, God is constantly speaking. And um, I would say that sometimes, depending on what season or what pace you're at or what your ambitions are, it can be really hard to hear from God. And so to what measure do you make room for God to speak? Many of you know that <clears throat> I've shared this story that when um, when Annika was born, I began writing a journal to her. And the, the point of the journal um, was that uh, <clears throat> I knew I would have connection with um, my son uh, uh, through sports and activities. This was, she was our second child. I, I wanted to imagine what it would be like when, um, when she came of age. And I was thinking about, there's gonna be a time where words fail us. So I wanted to have a record of what God had been doing at the earliest age, ages um, of love in our relationship. I, I wanted to kind of pay attention and thinking, I don't know what her earliest memory would be, but I wanted to record stuff. But then I had this strong impression that God also wanted to reveal himself to me through her. And I had this strong impression, take notes. So for 13 years, I began a journal of just writing things that God was speaking to me through Annika and writing about how God was sowing seeds of a love relationship. And I would just kind of share this one night with, with you out of this, uh, this book that I wrote for 13 years. And um, I just said uh, she was about 15 months old. And if any of you have young children about that age, you're thinking about <clears throat> sleeping through the night, you're thinking about weaning them. Uh, 
But I wrote, mom and I are wanting to see you sleep through the night more consistently. And part of that's not happening because you're still breastfeeding. But a couple of nights ago, you were up a couple of different times. And while I could hear you crying and me wanting to sleep, I asked the Lord in that moment to help me see and experience him. And at that moment, it was like God was saying through your tears and seemingly an untimely interruption to my rest, that's me. Those are my cries to want to be with you at all times. It was like God was saying, don't just roll over and think you can find me later. So I got up to find you standing in your crib. And normally you would have a one-track mind wanting mommy and to be fed. But however, this was different. And so I picked you up and I held you and we talked, me with words, you with only your gestures. I said, I'm here. Daddy loves you. And as I tried to quiet you, you put your head on my shoulder and we just held each other until we were both comforted. It was 2 a.m. But God's presence and his lesson was near. See, there are times in my life where I feel like God is speaking and I roll over, I tune it out, or I don't take notes. I'll go, oh, God will speak another time, or I'm not sure that's him. But we need still moments to do that so that the word of the Lord is not rare in our lives. I think God is painting a picture for our participation in healing a broken humanity. And it doesn't come with slander and accusations, shout outs on social media. Listen to how he finishes this chapter. This is 19 through 21. The Lord was with Samuel as he grew up, and he let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel from Dan to Beersheba recognized that Samuel was attested as a prophet of the Lord. In other words, there's a credibility to his leadership. Verse 21. So, where did it start? The word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. Where does it end? The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh, and there he revealed himself to Samuel through his word. Okay, so now we go from the word of the Lord was rare, no visions, to God began to reveal himself through his word. Two quick observations. You have God speaking more frequently, and secondly, God speaking in a new way. So it wasn't just about receiving visions, it was about God speaking through his word. Not only did God speak more often, but he was speaking in a new way. And I would argue that you had a heart undivided that was tuning in to the voice of the spirit, a voice of a boy who was unadulterated by the world because he had been set apart for godly service, grown up around the presence of God, which makes a strong case for not sort of um, distancing ourselves from the presence of God. And maybe the voice of God is rare today because we haven't created enough space to hear from him. This is how my mind works when I feel like I'm not hearing from God regularly. Maybe God's voice is rare because we allow media and our culture and our political leanings to form opinions about other people, those people or other leaders, the ones I didn't vote for, 
those groups of people or those issues? Have you ever been struck by how much you need God's grace as much as the person that you're sort of at odds with? That's one of the most humbling things of all. And what we find is that God's not, God not only speaks, he wants to reveal his plan and his presence in new ways. But for us to experience God in new ways, we have to be open. And so if our first observation is that our spiritual strength is critically linked to our ability to listen to God's voice, my second observation is this. Speaking truth to power always starts with our ability to hear God's voice in our own lives before we try and speak to another's. Chances are there's something he wants to address. He wants us to grieve. He wants us to come clean with or remind us of our own need for grace. So what does it take to hear from God? Well, sometimes God wants to speak in a new way. I mean, so throughout history, we have the creation, we have the prophets, biblical writings, we have dreams and revelation. And then as Jesus comes, we get his son, the early church, the Holy Spirit. Now we have his word, his spirit. We have closed doors that might disappoint us. We have open doors. We have trusted counsel. We have elders. I believe that God is speaking. And when God speaks, we always have the potential to find strength in God's truth. So I want to just close our time in a word of prayer. And you might want to review this passage and just jot things down. I love the first and last, you know, verse 3 all the way to verse 21. It, I, God wants to speak in a new way, but it might require a new discipline. God wants to speak about his broken humanity because he's well aware that this is the world he created, but not the world that he intended. So will you pray with me and just listen to the sound of my voice until you hear the voice of the Holy Spirit? Father, as we just pause right now, I pray that you would mitigate any distractions, any, any growling tummies or distracting pets, so that we would just hear from you. Help us to hear from you in a fresh and a new way. We are all painfully aware of how broken this humanity is. We come to you with our anxiety, we come to you with our fear. We come to you with our bias. We come to you and maybe even confess, Lord, your word has been rare in my life. And I would ask you to just ask this question of the Lord in this, this quiet moment. What keeps you from hearing Father, I would ask that you would help us to grieve what you grieve and love what you love. I pray that you would help us to have a yearning for your presence and it drive us to quieter and still moments, to find ourselves rooted in the truth of your word. And I pray that we would pray prayers that would reflect your care for your creation. I pray that we would be people who are able and willing to stand in the gap 
for those who, who cannot or will not pray for themselves. I pray that you would give us a hunger and a thirst for righteousness that we might find ourselves like a vehicle running on fumes and needing to fuel up with your presence. I pray that regardless of how demanding our jobs feel or how needy our kids become or, or how anxious we feel about job, I pray that you would draw us to yourself and root us in your truth and help us to find our strength beginning with you so that we might more adequately represent you in how we speak truth to others. So I pray that you would heal our rough edges. Pray that you would restore a, a vision for your humanity. Pray that you would comfort us, but um, give us a sensitivity to your presence in our lives. We pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen.